You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 233. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and today we are talking all things podcasting. So this is a very meta episode because we're podcasting about podcasting. But before we get there, I want to do a listener review spotlight. This one is from iTunes and a big shout out to Dina Cataldo. And Dina said, Amy gives so much free training in her podcast that I can't overstate the value she brings. I started listening to her about three years ago. Yeah, this review is long overdue, she says. And I listen to her religiously every Thursday. I listen to her no matter the topic because I know I'm going to learn something actionable. Her dedication to her listeners and bringing them what they want is admirable. If you're not listening to her already, hit that subscribe button. Dina, thank you so very much. I'm just so honored and I'm glad that you've been a faithful listener for all these years because that just means the world to me. And you're right, it's never too late to leave a review. So if you've been listening for a long time like Dina and you've never hit that subscribe button, you've never given me a review, please do so. I would love to hear from you and I might just give you a shout out like I did today for Dina. When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. Okay, so... Moving on to today's episode. This one is a long time coming. I get asked a lot about how I podcast, and I get questions about equipment and software and the topics I choose and which guests I feature, and I'm asked about how I record and edit and publish and everything in between. Well, today's the day, my friends. We are going to talk podcasting. Now, this podcasting episode is going to be full of information, tips, and my favorite resources. Also, I'm going to tell you not only how I do it now with the support of a team, but also how I did it in the beginning when it was just me and a VA. 
So I absolutely love podcasting and don't think there's any other vehicle to connect with your listener in such an intimate way, especially if you're creating consistent content on a weekly basis, podcasting is the way to go. When I go to live events, the number one thing I hear is, I love your podcast, or I listen to your podcast all the time. It's the way that I connect with so many of you every single week. And like I said, I love the intimacy of it. You hear my voice, you can sense my emotion and my passion behind the topics. You get to hear from my guests. I just think there's nothing better if you want to create original content. You know, another thing I love about podcasting is that you reach an audience you would never normally have access to. Like I get hundreds of thousands of downloads from people that I would not have reached just with social media. So that to me is a game changer in my business. So with this episode, take what you want and leave the rest. My hope is that the process I've cultivated over the years will help you to be more efficient and productive in your podcasting journey, whether you're already on it or you're thinking about starting podcasting sometime soon. And by the way, for the purpose of this episode, I'm going to assume you already know who your ideal listener is and have validated your podcast idea. If you don't know who your ideal customer avatar is and essentially your ideal podcast listener, then I think you're going to love episode 235. So in just two weeks, I'm doing an episode all about really honing in on your ideal customer avatar. So if you're struggling with that, I think you're going to love that episode. That's just a little sneak peek to let you know what's coming down the pipeline. Okay, so I've broken my podcasting process into the following 10 categories. Let me quickly run through them, then I'm gonna give you some details about each of them to make it really simple for you to follow. Number one, show format. Number two, set up the show. Number three, deciding on topics and guests. Number four, outlining podcast episodes. Five, recording. Six, editing. Seven, graphics. Eight, publishing your podcast. Nine, promoting your podcast. And number 10, tracking your analytics. So let's begin with step number one, deciding on your podcast format. So before you record a thing on your podcast, you'll want to decide on the format of the show. So will you do solo shows or interviews or a mix of both? Will you do short episodes like 10 to 15 minute quick and to the point episodes, or will you do more of what I do, which is usually around 30 to 60 minute episodes? Think about your ideal audience when you decide on this. Are they listening while getting ready in the morning, commuting to work, while at the gym, or will they need to sit down and take notes? It's a really good idea to understand how your ideal listener best likes to consume your content. So once you've decided on your format, I want you to stick to it for a while. Nothing is set in stone. That's the beauty of podcasting. You can change things up easily, but you want to give your format a little bit of time to see if it resonates with your audience and to really figure out what feels good for you. So both matters, what your audience wants and what you really enjoy doing on your podcast. You want a satisfied listener, but you also want to enjoy the process. 
So as you know, I do a mix of both solo shows and interviews. To be quite honest, I enjoy the solo shows more. And the reason for that is because if I'm being really honest, I can just control the content more. I know where it's going. I know the examples I want to use. And I just really like the flow better of my solo episodes. And plus, I'm not the most natural interviewer. I can hold my own. No big deal there. But it doesn't really feel comfortable for me all the time. So I just feel more in my zone with the solo show. The great news is my audience likes both. And I do both, so I'm good there. So you've got to kind of play around with that. I know some people that never interview anyone. Like Brooke Castillo, I think I've heard maybe two or three interviews on her entire show where she has tons of shows. She might be in the 200s now. And so because of that, it just works for her. And another thing about Brooke's episode that's different than mine, her episodes are a lot shorter. So you can ask your audience on social media, or you can do a survey. You can get on the phone with your ideal customer avatar. Listen more than you talk to see what they really want from you. That will help immensely. And then you've got to ask yourself if that feels right. Okay, so let's move on to step number two, the setup. I'm going to cover four areas of your setup, your calendar, project management system, equipment, and software. First things first, if you are going to accomplish anything, you will need to set aside time in your calendar to do the work. That's like anything in your business, right? So for this podcast, do not leave this to I'll work on my podcast later this week. That approach is death to a podcast. How do I know? Because I was there. I tell the story a million times. You've heard it. In the beginning, I was sporadic. I put nothing in the calendar. And I was lucky if I got one episode out a month, maybe two once in a while. I just did not make it a priority. And I struggled to get the downloads. And I struggled to get my listenership up. And so once I started to do an episode a week, everything changed. Now, how did I move to an episode a week? I had to mark it in my calendar. I wasn't batching at the time. I didn't start batching until about a year or so ago. But back then, at least I would put it in my calendar when I would work on the podcast. So block out chunks on your calendar to produce your podcast episodes. I say produce because speaking of Brooke Castillo, in episode 217, when I interviewed Brooke, one of my favorite things she said was that when you sit down to do anything in your business, don't just sit down to, quote, work on it, sit down to produce something. If you don't set that intention and put some perimeters around when you start and when you'll finish, you'll end up spending way too much time than what is truly reasonable to get the job done. I personally batch all the different parts of my podcast process, and I block out time in my calendar to make sure I get it done. I'll mention how I batch throughout this episode, and I'll let you know specifically when and how much time I set aside for each part of the process. But as you all know, I did a podcast episode about this. I'll link to it in my show notes. I batch six episodes at a time, and now when I sit down, I sit down to produce. Just that little mindset shift changes everything. So once you've got the time set in your calendar, it's time to put all the tasks associated with planning and execution of your podcast 
and a project or task management system. You all know I use Asana, A-S-A-N-A. I'll link to it in the show notes. Use whatever feels right for you, but you've got to use a project management system to manage the time and effort and the actual action items that go into producing one full podcast episode. Now, you might want to refine this as you get going, but give it a shot. One of the things that has helped me immensely lately, I've been doing a lot of creation from scratch, which I don't typically do. I'm lucky that I get to update a lot of stuff because I produce so much content, but I have produced from scratch a little bit lately. And that overwhelming feeling of starting from scratch. I hate it. But what I've noticed if I, if I tell myself, okay, for the next 20 minutes, I give myself a time limit. You just have to start, like put it on paper, vomit, whatever you need to vomit up in terms of just getting your ideas out of your head and onto paper for this new project. Once something is in there, I am a master at tweaking, changing, refining, and you might feel the same way. So just get past the initial setup in your project management tool, like put together the categories. I'm giving you 10 categories today. So start with those 10 categories and then put the action items under each category in your project management system. And then you just make this better as you go. As you start doing it, you'll see the areas that you want to fix in your project plan. So that's my suggestion for you. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you wanna make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. Okay, so we talked about your calendar. We talked about the project management system. Now let's talk about equipment and software. This tends to be one of the questions I get asked the most. And I'm telling you, it's not that big of a deal. You're putting way too much time and effort and kind of worry. A lot of people worry about, am I using the right equipment for this? The number one thing you want to think about is if the audio sounds good. Not okay. It needs to sound good. So we're not going for exceptional stellar. I recently had somebody who's an audio editor, like big time Hollywood audio editor, reach out to me and tell me my audio is not good enough on my podcast. And I told them, listen, you're a Hollywood audio editor. Of course, it's not good enough for you. It definitely is good enough for me and my listeners. So let's keep this in perspective. But your number one goal is your audio needs to sound good. So no scratchiness, no muffledness, no just weirdness in your audio. You just want it crisp. Good? Okay. I think I need to stop with this topic. You get it. So equipment and software. Here's what I use. I use a MacBook Pro. And when I do a solo show, I use GarageBand. And that's on my Mac. When I interview somebody, I use Skype. And then I use something called Call Recorder to record them on Skype. My microphone is a Heil mic. I'll link to everything in the show notes. I use audio panels in the office where I record this. I have wood floors, and so I've got some really cool audio panels on the wall. I use an audio mixer. The name of it is Scarlet. Tiny little thing, 150 bucks. I use Libsyn in order to upload my podcast, and that's where I'm getting all my analytics. And then I use Pat Flynn's Smart Podcast Player. If you go to my show notes, so like for this episode, if you go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 233, across the top of the blog at the very top, you'll see an audio player. That's Smart Podcast Player. So that plays the audio of my podcast right there in my blog. If you're not listening to it via iTunes or the app on your phone or Spotify or wherever else you might listen, you can listen to it directly from the blog post. So those are the main players in terms of equipment and software. A while back, I recorded a behind-the-scenes tour of my podcast equipment. I was in my video studio, so you'll get a look of that as well. The video was a while back, but I still use the exact same thing. I don't switch out equipment a lot. So if you want to see what I use in my show notes, I will link you to a video that shows you the mixer I use, the microphone I use, and I talk about the panels as well. So if you're curious to kind of see how it all looks, definitely go check out the video on my show notes. Now, let's talk some realness here. I've seen some amazing marketers in their closet because it's carpeted on the floor with the door closed recording podcast episodes. And sometimes that's just what you got to do. So I've used a fancy microphone from the get-go. I started podcasting about two and a half years into my business. 
And after the two-year mark in my business, I was making some consistent revenue. And so I had some money to invest in my microphone. And at the time, I had a really big mixer. I don't have that anymore. Thank God I have this little box. But I invested in podcast equipment. Cliff Ravenscraft, a friend of mine who also teaches podcasting, he suggested the equipment. This was many years ago. And so I invested in it. He showed me how to get it all up and running. And so I've always had good equipment for my podcast, but it's not necessary. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. You can get a simple microphone and still have good audio. You can get this really cool small mixer for 150 bucks, and you, my friend, are good to go. You don't need expensive audio panels. You can go in your closet and record. So get scrappy if you need to. Don't think that you've got to go fancy. If the equipment is slowing you down from publishing your podcast, you are going about this the wrong way. You don't have to spend tons of money in order to get a really well done, nice sounding podcast up and running. So don't fool yourself, my friend. You can get scrappy here for sure. Okay, moving on to step three, deciding on topics and guests. I tell all my listeners and students that I want them creating original, consistent content on a weekly basis. So how do I decide on what topics to cover on my show and which guests to feature? Well, that's a good question. Because I do a mix of solo and guest featured episodes, and because I batch six podcast episodes at a time, my content manager, Jill, also batches the topic and guest research for me. So now you may not have a content manager. Remember, I'm going on 10 years soon, and I just hired my content manager uh, not even six months ago. So before that, remember, I've talked about Gina on the show a bunch. So she was a contractor. Gina helped me with the content. You could have a VA do some of the research for you. Keep it simple until you want to get fancy. You don't get fancy till you have the funds to reinvest. Deal? Okay. So the topic and guest research process can take anywhere from two hours to several hours, depending on what that batch's intention or theme or promotional calendar looks like. So we also rely heavily on the FAQs from my audience. So we talk about topics that might have been carried forward from old episodes that we want to expand on. Um, I have a private Facebook group for my podcast. So if you're not part of that, it's called Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast Community. And anybody who is a fan of my podcast can join We ask questions in the Facebook group. We get feedback from all of you. Many of you send in emails with great ideas for podcast episodes. So we take all of that into consideration. Because I'm only one person with not tons of bandwidth right now, Jill is the one where she pours over all of that. So what we do is we do a one-hour batch topic meeting. And we have that every six weeks And Jill, my content manager, will come to the table with six to eight semi-fleshed-out topic ideas and maybe two or four guest ideas that we're going to review together. We go over the list, and we typically decide on four solo topics and two guests per batch. It doesn't always work out that way, but in an ideal situation, that's what I want. Four solo topics, two guest topics. 
With each and every topic we decide on, we articulate in that topics meeting what the intention for that episode is going to be. I got this from Oprah. When she was creating her own show, every time they came up with a topic, Oprah would say, what's our intention here? So I stole that from Oprah and we use it all the time. And if the intention doesn't inspire us or get us excited, we're like, this is a bad topic or we just aren't zeroing in on the right intention. So we always go back to the drawing board. We also decide on what content upgrades or freebies we'll have during each episode if we actually are going to include one. Back in the day, so over a year ago, I was creating almost a freebie per episode. And I did this for a few good years and it grew my list. So it was very valuable. That is a lot of work. And so I've decided I'm not going to do a freebie for every episode, but maybe two out of the six in that batch. So we'll find two episodes where we'll say, what kind of freebie could we create for this? Also, my guests are really generous. And so they'll say, Amy, I'll create a freebie for this episode. Now I have a rule that, I get the leads and I used to not do it this way, but I work way too hard on this podcast to give all my leads away. So let's say I invite a guest to be on my show and she wants to create a one page worksheet based on what she's going to teach on the episode. So I'll say, great, as long as you're cool that I get the leads, I'm putting it on my own lead page. You can put a link to your website at the bottom. You can do a little about section because that person's creating the content, but It goes on my website and everyone I've ever talked to said, not a problem at all. I just want to add more value. I mean, come on, how lucky am I, right? So that's basically how we manage that. Now, speaking of guests and guests creating content, let's move on to guest selection. If you decide to have an interview component to your podcast, you'll want to narrow down the best guests for your listeners based on what is relevant to your niche and most helpful to your listeners. Obviously, when you're new to podcasting, you may find it a little bit tougher to pull in bigger guest names for your show, but just take it all in stride. As your show gets bigger and bigger, you'll have some really awesome people that will want to be on your show. And hey, even if you're still a small fry and you're out there just getting going, it doesn't hurt to ask. So go ahead and ask. When I first got started, I was very focused on Facebook. So I brought on people that would add value to that topic for my listeners because I networked quite a bit back in the day. So 2009 to about 2013, I was out there at events, speaking on stage a lot more than I need to do so now. So I made a lot of really good contacts and connections. So I use those connections to get really cool people on my show. Something to think about. Now, now that I have a higher ranking podcast, guests tend to seek me out and ask if they could be on my show. That's always a cool thing, especially when you're like, who wants to be on my show? Uh, yes, that is a huge yes. So I love those moments. We still go after some people and then we get requests from others. So how do we decide who we want on the show? We definitely make sure that their content is actionable. 
We make sure that they're willing to do a little back and forth with us. So we prepare questions in advance. So there's a nice flow for my interviews. We ask for a little bit more time and attention to the outline with a guest than maybe the average podcast show. So as long as someone's willing to work with us that way, then we're golden. So Jill will often get on the phone with whoever I'm going to interview and she'll do like a preliminary, that's a hard word for me to say, preliminary interview with them. But if they're a really big name and they just don't have time for that, she'll go back and forth with the Google Doc with them. Or she'll say, hey, can you send me some information that I could kind of put into a a loose outline? So we don't kind of beat it down in terms of, we need two hours with you in order for you to be on Amy's show. We don't do anything like that, but we do request some valuable time before the interview. And then Jill is able to give me an outline for my solo shows and my interview shows. So that's where we're going next. Category number four, the podcast outlines. So from the topics meeting, we create our outlines. So back in the day, I would usually create a bulleted outline with some keynotes and record from that. So remember, if you are doing this all on your own, or hopefully you you at least have a little help from a VA, you're just writing some loose notes or a loose outline before you start to record. I think that's the best way to go. I don't think you should ever show up just like off the cuff. I know a lot of people do that and they they find pride in the fact that they can go off the cuff. I tend to notice when people aren't prepared. So I'd rather you even sit down for 20, 30 minutes and just get your thoughts about that episode onto a Google Doc or in your notebook or whatever, just so you show up a little bit more prepared. I think people's time is valuable. And if you seem like you don't have things together, they're not showing up for your next episode. So something to think about. Now, because I have a content manager, we moved away from loose bulleted outlines and she gives me something a little heavier. And so I can do that because she's full-time in my business and she has the bandwidth to do so. So in an outline, she will give me an intro of how we want to set this up. And sometimes she gives me a script. And so I can just read the intro and I always tweak it. I review everything before I record. So I'll make sure it feels right in my own words. And then she also gives me information about who our sponsor is. And then she gives me a listener shout out. That's something new we've been doing. So I'll have that right there on the first page of my outline. So I can give a shout out to somebody who left me a cool review. So All of that is in there. And then, of course, the main content. Sometimes she'll script out the main content a little bit more. Other times she'll put it in a pretty solid outline. But Jill has done a lot of work before I get here. And that never happened before about six months ago, not even six months ago. So I'm telling you what it looks like now. But before, my podcast was just as popular where I had really loose outlines and I would do the research myself. So remember, you've got this friend, but when you have the money to invest in a bigger team, why not get some help for it, right? Okay. So you've got to just figure out what feels good to you. If you like a little bit more of the free flow style, by all means, go for it. But I would have some friends listen to a few episodes and get some honest feedback. Do you feel like this is valuable? Do you feel like I have a flow? Am I on point? Am I all over the place? Or do you see some 
really good alignment with the topics I'm talking about and the stories I'm telling? And does it just all come together or feel really messy? Get some feedback. If you're going to go free flow style, just make sure that it sounds as good as you think it does in your head. I know I'm biased about that, but I'm a organized kind of prepper. So not that kind of prepper, the prepper that thinks that the apocalypse is coming. Oh, that's my husband, Hobie. We've talked about that, right? If you follow me on Instagram about a year ago, you saw all his goods that he started collecting in big bins in the garage because he thinks we're going to be attacked or something. So I had to do an intervention and say, babe, you've become a prepper in a really creepy way. I think we need to stop. So like we have a rule, no more prepper stuff because it got crazy and it was secret. Like I didn't know he had this prepper in him. I'm not that prepper, but I am the kind that loves a good, organized, well-bulleted and well-bolded Google Doc. So I say, I don't know, play a bigger game, get a little bit more organized before you start to record. Okay, moving on. Step number five is recording. So now that you've got your outline ready, it's time to record. Now, I mentioned the equipment I use in step two, which is the setup category. So basically, I make sure all my equipment is ready to record, and I make sure that I'm in a quiet location and that my dog, Scout, is not in danger of a barking frenzy. Now, when little Gus, my Cocker Spaniel, was still alive, he was a crazy barker, so I could never bring him in my studio. Scout is like the most precious easy dog in the whole world. And so he literally is in his bed right now sitting next to me. And I feel calm when my dog is near me. So I love him in here. And if he starts to bark, either I just go with it or I just edit it out. So whatever works for you, but I like my dog in my studio just to make me feel good. So with that, I take a deep breath and I hit the record button on GarageBand. So I learned the whole idea of using GarageBand from Pat Flynn. So I'm going to guess he talks about it in his free training. I'm not positive, but it might be one component he discusses. I know he talks about it in his paid program. Okay, so let me give you some top tips for recording. Number one, create a pre-recorded intro in your own voice. Now, if you are a dedicated podcast listener to my show, right now you're saying, whoa, 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 you don't do that. I don't. I have a voiceover and I am so ready to change that out. I've had it for years and the guy who did it was great. I just think that the podcast where the intro is in the podcaster's voice, I just think it's more personal and just feels better to me. So a lot of my friends are doing their own voice in the intro. And I'm like, that's the way to go. So that's what I'm going to suggest to you. I'm definitely going to change over to that, hopefully in the new year. I kind of want to give my podcast kind of a new look and feel. And so I'll do the intro myself. So if you pre-record it, or if you get a voiceover, whatever you want to do, you're going to have that done. So your editor or you who's ever editing your podcast can then just drop that in every single week. 
Also, if you're going to use any music, make sure that it is royalty-free music. So important. Now, let's talk about messing up during a recording on a podcast, because this is where my vulnerable side has to come out, and I've got to be really honest with all of you, even though I kind of want to pretend that I'm cooler than I am. And that is that I like a nicely edited show. This is back in my Tony Robbins days. I can't help myself. I learned from the master. And that was a corporation, and he was a much bigger deal than I am, and we were creating audio programs that we were selling. So he didn't have a podcast back in the day when I was there. So I wasn't used to leaving mistakes in any audio I worked on. And I worked on a lot of audio of Tony's. And so we would never leave in mess ups and quirks and dogs barking or whatever. And so because that's only what I knew in my most impressionable times of learning how to do business, it is very hard for me to leave in the hiccups and mess ups in anything I do. However, I know people love to see the realness and I do too. When someone messes up or they laugh or whatever, I think it's cool. And I feel like I get to be sitting next to them and just seeing the realness of what they're doing. And so I say, leave in some of those hiccups and mess ups. I've been trying to do more of that. And when something doesn't make sense, though, you stop, you pause, and then you pick back up. That pause will tell my editor, or if you're editing this yourself, you can go right to those pauses knowing, oh, I've got to edit something out there. So pauses, I do this with my courses and with my podcast. They allow the editor to know I made a mistake and I want you to clean this up. So that's exactly what I do. And I've also tried to be a little bit more lax on perfectly polished. If you listen to probably 50 through 100 of my podcast episodes, way more polished than, let's say, the last 100 that I've done, especially the last 50. The last thing I'll say, and I've already mentioned this, is batching. I did an entire episode on mega batching. I'm actually speaking, by the time this comes out, I will have already done this. I'm speaking about batching on stage at Michael Hyatt's event. It's called Achieve in Nashville. It's actually happening next week. And I really think that batching changes everything in terms of your productivity. And so I do six at a time. I've talked about the fact that some of my friends do 20 at a time. I do not know how they do that, but six feels right for me. And so that way I'm not always working on the podcast. It doesn't always feel like Groundhog Day because now I batch and that's why I do it. Okay, moving on to step number six, editing, which we've actually already talked about, but let me give you a few more tips in this area. I think that it's worth your time and money to hire somebody to edit your podcast for you. In my early days, I hired a contractor. His name was Will. He doesn't even do it anymore. But Will was like a virtual assistant that had the skill of editing. He must have got it from other jobs he had done in the past. So he edited my podcast and he put in the intro that I had pre-recorded. He put in the music. He smoothed everything out. He took my big mistakes out. Done. So when Will moved on to do other stuff. I hired a team to do my podcast editing. I use Pro Podcast Solutions, and they're fantastic. I talked about them on the show before. I'll link to them in the show notes. And so they do all my editing. I'm not techie. 
I'm not really good at audio editing. I don't have a special ear for it. So I would rather work on areas of my business where I excel and I'm really good. And you don't have to spend a lot of money on editing to have somebody do a really good job. So I'd like to see you spend some of your funds on getting your show edited so you don't waste your time there. And if you do minimal edits, like I talked about, like leaving in the bits that you might mess up, but they're just kind of make the, they make the podcast more real, then you're going to have minimal edits. So you'll make it really easy for your editor and it won't be expensive. Okay. So let's move on to step number seven. Step number seven is all about the graphics and getting the graphics created. And this is one area that a lot of podcasters will skip. And really, when I talk about graphics, I'm talking about getting something created so that you can visually show your latest podcast episode in an email or on social media. Social media tends to be the biggest place you're gonna use these graphics. So it's a promo graphic that might have the title of your podcast episode. If you have a guest, it will have a picture of the guest and anything else you might want to include. But this is an important piece of the puzzle. Now, on a tight budget, you can use an app like Canva or hire a designer on 99designs or Fiverr or something else like that but getting individual images created for your blog and for social and to put in an email when you go out to promote your podcast, I think is really important. And so I get those created at the same time that I'm getting all the other pieces pulled together. So just wanted to put that out there that I think this is one step you don't want to skip. So what we do is we have a template designed for Facebook, one static image and one with audio. We use this cool thing called Wave, W-A-V-V-E dot co. And Wave allows us to create an image with those little squiggly lines moving that shows you audio is playing. And then we can put an audio clip in there as well. So Wave is like one of the graphics that we create and we put it on social. And then we have a general social media image that's a template. So we can change out the title and the image and one for Instagram stories as well. So when you start to do this, you start to get graphics created for your podcast, get some templates created. Like I like the idea of hiring a good designer, having them create templates for you that you or your team can change out and manipulate in terms of the title and the image, but they all look really good. So something to think about. Okay, moving on to step number eight, publishing. So once you've recorded your episode and it's been edited and you've got some graphics created, so you're ready to promote it, it's time to publish your podcast. First, you'll want to upload your podcast audio to your podcast host. I began with Libsyn from the very beginning, L-I-B-S-Y-N, and I still use them today. And most podcast hosts will generate a podcast-ready RSS feed so that you can then submit your podcast to the various podcast directories, which is where people listen. So iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you can get that podcast, get it. So, so very important that you don't just stick to iTunes. I'd say go beyond that for sure. Remember, the reason I love podcasting so much is because 
you are going to reach audiences that you would never normally have access to. People just find you. And that's the coolest thing ever. It's better than social media, if you ask me. And that's saying a lot, right? And so make sure that you you try to get yourself on multiple platforms. At the time of this recording, we're still having problems with Spotify. So we get a lot of messages saying, Amy, why aren't you on Spotify? Spotify is for some reason not pulling in our episodes correctly. We've been in touch with them so many times. It's ridiculous. We'll get there. But anyway, that is one that I've just recently been trying to get on and just having a lot of issues with. Okay. I guess I feel like I needed to say that because my loyal listeners will write in and say, you say to be on multiple platforms, but you're not on Spotify. I am trying. I promise. (laughs) Okay. Step number nine is promoting. So you've published, now it's time to promote. This is where you're going to use the graphics you designed from step seven to get the word out about your podcast through your social media channels and through email. This is one thing that I do that is very different than a lot of podcasters. Every single week I email my list and let them know I have a brand new podcast. I write an email for them. I entice them with a little hints about what they're going to learn in the podcast. And I link to my show notes. So that's another thing. Show notes are a very big part of publishing and promoting. So you all know what show notes are, but I'll just tell you anyway. Basically, you're summarizing what's in the podcast episode. I've done a few different things with show notes. I've made them very long and extensive, and we did that because we thought we were getting some really good SEO play until you listen to the episode I did with Neil Patel. Have you heard that one? I'll link to it in the show notes. It's all about SEO. It's really good. But Neil informed me that Google's too smart. And just because I'm writing elaborate, detailed show notes with lots of keywords for my podcast, it's not helping my SEO. Like, what? Are you kidding me? We are spending so many hours on those show notes. Now we do a very abbreviated version, just kind of giving you the highlights so you can decide do you want to listen or not. But show notes are part of the promotion because I send all of my email traffic to the show notes to listen. And remember, I've got that special player that Pat Flynn and his team created at the top of my blog so that people can listen right there. And it gets counted as a download. So that's important. As you have a podcast, you'll be very obsessed with downloads and your numbers, or you should be, which we'll get to step 10 in just a minute, all about tracking and numbers. But I watch my downloads for sure. And my goal is always to increase my downloads every single month. That's like our internal goal in the business. Now back to promoting, let's say that you did an interview with somebody. So reaching out to the person you did an interview with and making it really easy for them to share the podcast episode is a great idea. Here's a link to the episode. Here's some copy you can use. If you want to post it on social, here's a picture you can use. Like the more you make it easy for somebody to share, the better. And they don't have to share though. I'm on a lot of people's podcasts, so I can't possibly share every time I'm on somebody else's podcast. So once in a while we do it, but we don't do it a lot. So it's kind of unfortunate, but if we do it for one person, I feel like we need to be doing it for everyone. So I'm a little bit gun shy about that. But if someone will share it with you, that is very important. You want to at least give it a try. But overall with promoting your podcast, I say put a plan together and inside your project management system, Have a category for promoting, which is one of the categories right now. So just follow the categories I'm giving you and do the same thing every week. 
That's what makes this easy and doable and consistent. Like every week we post on Facebook. We always post an Insta story in the morning. We always post something in the afternoon on Instagram. So we have a plan for how we're posting. We always send an email every Thursday morning. So get that consistency. It will make it a whole lot easier. And last, but definitely not least, step number 10, tracking. Don't forget to track how your podcast is doing. Like I said, this will or should come natural to you, I'm guessing, in terms of you'll want to know your numbers. I remember when James Wedmore came out with a podcast, and I had been podcasting for a long time, but he would tell me his numbers, and he'd be like totally laser focused on, we got this many downloads today and this many the day before, and I didn't know how many I had gotten that day or the day before, but it got me excited because I remember in the early days when you first start podcasting, every day matters. I'm sure he doesn't check daily now, but in the beginning, you will care how many people are listening every single day. Now I check on a monthly basis because I, you know, I've been at it for a while, but hopefully that's a big deal to you because it should be. That means that people are paying attention and those numbers will tell you, are you on the right track? Or do you possibly need to change things up? Really important. So there's four places that we pay attention to. Number one, Google Analytics. This is where I can see if my website, where my show notes are housed for each podcast episode, is getting more visitors, more traffic every month. Number two, Google Console. While Google Analytics show your traffic numbers, Google Console will show you the keywords that brought that traffic in. So you can learn more about this in my episode with Neil that I mentioned, amyporterfield.com forward slash 221. Really, really valuable to know. Number three, Libsyn. So my podcast host of choice, that's who I use. This is where you can track your downloads per episode. A great way to see if your topic is resonating with your audience. So that's where I'm looking for my downloads inside of Libsyn. And then of course, social media. I want to watch my social channels and see what's liked the most, what episodes getting the most comments when I post about it. So I check social as well. But out of all four ways to track, I definitely pay close attention to Libsyn and the number of downloads. And I want that number to increase every single month. So there you have it. Wow. I just covered a lot. Like I said in the beginning, take what you find valuable, leave the rest. The goal is not to overwhelm, but really help you understand all of the most important components for a successful podcast. So I hope you're walking away with just that. Now, remember, if you are serious about creating a stellar podcast from the get-go, check out Pat Flynn's Power Up Podcasting or John Lee Dumas's Podcaster's Paradise. Both excellent courses, and both of these guys offer free resources to get started. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 233, where I've listed all the free resources and the paid resources for podcasting. amyporterfield.com forward slash 233. Okay, so there you have it. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I cannot wait to hear all about your podcast. If you are thinking about starting one and hopefully this will give you the boost you need, go out there, get it done. I'm telling you, it is a business changer for sure. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you here, same time, same place next week. Bye for now.
Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.